this session of Look at the Book, I'm posing the question how it is that Gentile Christians in the 21st century, that is non-Jewish, non-Israelite Bible readers, can read a promise in the Old Testament, say like Isaiah 41.10, and apply it to ourselves when it was originally made to Israel. So God said to Israel, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you, I'll help you, I'll uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And I love that promise. I live by that promise. I have applied that promise to myself hundreds of times and encouraged my children to, do I have a right to? Or a promise like Psalm 103, um, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And then he quotes Exodus 34, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Those were promises first made to Israel. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He's talking to Israel as the psalmist is writing and as it's been understood for centuries. And, and he doesn't repay us according to our iniquity. So, I love this psalm. I love Isaiah 41.10 and hundreds of other promises. Do I or you have a right? Uh, is it warranted from the Bible to take these promises that were made to Israel and apply them to ourselves who are not part of ethnic Israel? Father, I pray that as we tackle this question and try to show the answer from how the Apostle Paul helps us, that you would increase our confidence in our participation in these covenant promises made to your people so that we can love them and depend upon them and live by them day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to develop an argument, step by step, the way Paul developed the argument in his day. He starts by being aware that in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, there's this promise. Now, the Lord said to Abram, who would become Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's coming a day in some way, somehow, when all the families who are not Jewish are going to be blessed because of this promise made to Israel. Now, how does that come to pass? That's what the Apostle Paul deals with in Galatians 3. So here we are at Galatians 3, 9, and step one in Paul's argument. He, he says, Know then that it is those of faith, people of faith, faith in Christ. We're going to see that in a minute. Those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Oh, my. So the sons of Abraham are people of of faith. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, so people of faith are Gentiles, uh, who would justify Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and then he quotes Genesis 12, 3, in you shall all the nations, all the nations, that's these Gentiles here, be blessed. So then, 
those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. So but by being of faith, we are somehow considered to be sons of Abraham and thus inherit the blessings of Abraham, which would include the wonderful promises made to Israel. Now, how does that work in Paul's mind? Here's a key phrase, key sentence in chapter 3, verse 16 of Galatians. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. Now, that's a pretty sophisticated argument. A lot of people doubt that it's valid because they say offspring is already plural, so why would he even bother to think this way? And Paul knows that as well as we do. This is Paul taking a a signal from this use of offspring and noting that We know this from Romans 9, for example, that there's a narrowing from Abraham not to Isaac and um, Ishmael, but only to Isaac, and not to Jacob and Esau, but only to Jacob, and not to all the 12 tribes without distinction because the faithful remnant would be heirs. And so he, he sees this narrowing down as history moves, and the narrowing comes finally to Christ. And really, all the promises are made ultimately to Christ. Now, how does that help us? Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So, let's sum it up like this. Well, wait a minute, one more verse before we uh, sum it up. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter amen to the glory of God. So when you pray a prayer and lay hold on a promise from the Old Testament and ask God to fulfill it for you and then say your amen through Jesus, it's because all the promises of God are in him. He, He secured the promises for his people. Now, a summary. Promises made to Abraham and his seed or offspring. Next step, Christ is the seed or offspring. Next step, faith in Christ unites us to Christ. Faith unites us to Christ. So we are in Christ by faith. And this union with Christ makes us seed or offspring with him. And as offspring with him, we are heirs of the promise. So that's the the sequence of argument that enables a, a Gentile to go back 
and read Isaiah 41.10, knowing that Isaiah 41.10, in its original context, was made as a promise to faithful Israel. And we can say we are faithful Israel. We Gentiles are faithful Israel. That is, we participate in. We are, to use the words of Romans 11, we are grafted in to the rich root of the olive tree, and we become co-heirs with Israel. We are one new man in Christ because the promises were made to Abraham and his seed. Christ is the offspring. We are united to Christ by faith. In him we become the sons of Abraham, and if sons, then heirs. So, Don't hesitate as a genuine follower of Jesus to believe that all the promises made to God's people in the Old Testament have a very precious application to you.